The Christian life isn't always going to be easy. Next on Abounding Grace, learn what to do and think when fiery trials are heated up. There are times where we want our cake and eat it too. We, we want to follow Christ and we want to avoid the fiery trials. But remember, the Bible teaches us that even the desire to live a godly life will bring persecution. Just the desire, just the commitment, whatever God has called you to do, and you have taken a stand for the Lord, that doesn't mean that the world is going to love you. That doesn't mean that the fires of hell are going to be uh, lowered for you. And so the devil says, oh, great, another believer taking a stand for God. No, rather the fires are going to get hotter and hotter and hotter, and you'll be thrown in. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Glad you could make it as we get right back into Daniel. We're in chapter 3 today, recalling a rather familiar story of three young men standing their ground in the face of a fiery furnace. Little did we know when we turned the calendar into 2020 that we'd be faced with fiery trials like we've never seen before. Well, today, Pastor Ed will encourage us to take a bold stand for God, no matter what's thrown at us in the days ahead. The Lord will be with us in the fire, just as he was for these three guys you're about to hear about. Take your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 3 as we finish the chapter today in a Bible study that I've entitled, When the Fiery Trials Are Heated Up. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation as we're studying through the book of Daniel. And we left off with these three young men who stood their ground before the most powerful leader of the known world. They were confident. But their confidence wasn't in themselves. Their confidence was in God. And it wasn't new because they gained confidence very early in their youth. And it continued on through their teenage years and all the temptations that came. And now they didn't, they came ready for the big test. And might I just add, you never know what the big test is or when it's coming. And the way that you prepare for the big test is by being faithful in the little things. As you gain strength in being faithful in the little things, it doesn't matter what test comes your way, big or small, known or unexpected, you'll be ready. And we learned before the king, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood with, answered in assurance, the type of trust that all of us as believers of all time share. But even greater for you and me in the new covenant, our trust has been deposited in us by the Holy Spirit. We have today what those young men didn't have back then. They had a faith looking forward to Messiah, where the Holy Spirit would come upon them, but we live now looking back on the finished work of Jesus, where the Holy Spirit dwells permanently inside of us. And men and women who love God, the natural byproduct of a love relationship with God is more and more trust over time. I'm reminded of what Job said in Job 13, verse 15. He said, God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I am going to argue my case with him. You might remember it in the New King James. He says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. 
I will trust God no matter what happens to me. And so notice with me, pick up with me in verse 19 where we left off in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. Verse 22. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Again, we're introduced or reminded of Nebuchadnezzar and his rage and his out-of-control anger. 20 years can change a man, change your mind, and he's not used to anyone standing up to him. He's not used to anyone saying no, refusing his commands. And you could see it on his face. The Bible says that his face was distorted with rage. And you know, the reality of ministry has a lot to do with you paying attention to someone's countenance. That's the old King James view or word. Someone's face. You can tell a lot about a person by just watching them and paying attention to their face, to their eyes. And obviously, it would be very easy for, to see someone that's distorted with rage. But you can also see more someone that's hurting, someone that's happy, someone that is perplexed. And it opens a door to enter into people's lives. Not everyone's just going to invite you into their life. Not everyone's just going to say, yeah, this is my whole life. I'm going to tell you, would you? Not everyone does that. But you and I, we can learn how to insert ourselves into people's lives with watching their mannerisms, asking key questions. With Nebuchadnezzar, it wouldn't be hard to see this guy's ticked off. And what does he order? He orders that the furnace becomes seven times hotter. And they're taken and they're thrown into this fiery furnace, to this pit. And I think at this point, as we're watching the scene, we're seeing these young men in their 20s being, losing their life for the simple choice not to bow down to an idol. And in our own humanity as we watch this, just kind of seeing it with our own eyes, coming to our own conclusion, we might conclude, how tragic. Here are these young men that love God, that are committed to Him, that, that have such a great future ahead of them, and they're just, what are they doing? But trusting God, no compromise, and they're thrown in the fire anyway? It would be easy, especially those of you that are more black and white in how you see the world, to just cry, not fair. That's not fair. It's not right. What's going on here? And yet, in their lives, what else is there at this point? What else is there for them? They've been given the test. They refuse to bow down. And they're ready to take the consequence. They're ready to take what is given to them. They have committed their lives to a faithful God. Remember, they were threatened. Hey, you know what? If you don't bow down, then you're going to die. They go, hey, you know, I know that God can deliver me. But even if he doesn't deliver me, I'm committed to him. And so what else is there? Jot it down in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter writes, Dear friends, don't be surprised, or in the, old, in the New King James, don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised by the fiery trials you're going through as if some strange thing were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, 
For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Listen, you don't fit into this world. This world is not your home. And some of you are frustrated right now because you've done what is right, you've taken a stand for righteousness, and you got fired. And you're like, that's not fair. Well, what did you expect? You took a stand for what was right. You committed your life to a faithful God. And whether you work or don't work at that particular place, your relationship is with God. It's not with your job. It's not with your paycheck. God will provide a paycheck for you. He'll provide for all of your need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Like, he'll give you what is needed before, during, and after your commitment to him. I mean, after all, what is it that you signed up for? An easy life? What is it that you committed to when you said, I'm ready to take the exchange, God's perfect life in Jesus Christ for my imperfect life? The forgiveness of my sin, the removal of my guilt and shame in, re- in exchange for what? My commitment to follow him. And God is speaking to someone today reminding you, what, what did you expect? There are times where we want our cake and eat it too. We, we want to follow Christ and we want to avoid the fiery trials. But remember, the Bible teaches us that even the desire to live a godly life will bring persecution. Just the desire. Just the commitment, whatever God has called you to do, and you have taken a stand for the Lord, that doesn't mean that the world is going to love you. That doesn't mean that the fires of hell are going to be lowered for you. And so the devil says, oh, great, another believer taking a stand for God. No, rather the fires are going to get hotter and hotter and hotter, and you'll be thrown in. It was a true story. It's told of an early church father. His name was Polycarp. He was actually the overseers of the churches in the area of Smyrna. Polycarp was a personal friend and student of John the Apostle. And in 156 AD, when he was 86 years old, he was urged by the Roman proconsul to finally, at the end of his life, reproach Christ and he would be set free. And his answer to the Roman proconsul was this, and I quote, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? End quote. Well, to that the Roman proconsul said, I have respect for your age. Simply say, away with the atheists and be set free. And so Polycarp solemnly said, away with the atheists, pointing to the pagan crowd that he was passing by. And there he went joyfully to the stake. Polycarp, 86 years old. You'd think by 86, you'd get a pass on persecution. At some age, some of you are thinking, maybe if I could just make it to 80, no more trouble. Well, you need to stand in line for Polycarp when you get to heaven. And say, how was it at 86? Do you think you got a pass? No, there are no passes with Jesus Christ. There's only protection. There's, there's only encouragement. And even when we think of protection, we think, well, maybe he'll protect me from the fiery furnace. Not with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went in seven times hotter. And he went, Polycarp did, joyfully to the stake, thanking God for counting him worthy to be numbered among the martyrs. And that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here, they're steadfast. Notice back in verse 20, it says, Then he ordered some of the strongest men, these men of valor, to bind these young men and throw them into the blazing furnace to take them to the pit. And when the, these mighty men of valor, these men got close, after they tied them up in their clothes, it says, 
because in verse 22, the fire was, because the king demanded it, the, uh, such a hot fire that the flames killed the soldiers. This was a great loss for Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sure this was God continuing to speak to him of judgment, of judgment. The king lost these men and they lost their lives. No doubt, I think, a heavy blow of judgment to the king. Here he is thinking he's the judge. Here he is thinking he's doing the judging, that he's in control, that he's ruling the world, that his word is firm, that he snaps his fingers and people do exactly what he's told, and yet God is on the throne. You see, when you serve God and live for him, when you're committed to him, the wicked, the wicked, there are still wicked in the world today. The wicked that might be coming against you. The wicked that might be persecuting you. The wicked that might be thinking they have the upper hand in your life, that they're on the side of the king and they're on the side of the person that's in control and they have all these people telling them it's great, it's wonderful, you are right and they bind you up and they take you to the fire. Listen, when, God, when you serve God and live for him, abiding in Christ, the wicked are going to be taken care of by God. The wicked will be taken care of by God. Many times the example is given in scriptures that God will take in, in, in great irony, he will take what the devil intended for evil for you, turning it around for good and flipping it right back on the wicked. Just like he does here. You need to remember this. Nobody at any time, mark this down, knock, write this down, put it on your hand, write it in the margin of your Bible. This is a verse of freedom. This is a verse of faith and confidence, or this is a statement, I should say, of freedom, a statement of confidence. Nobody at any time is ever going to get away with anything. And you go, Ed, but they're getting away with it right now. Yeah, they're even making the fires hotter, aren't they? Even making the fires hotter. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that you think in your mind, well, if they're not going to get away with it, then your thought is, well, get them, Lord. Well, these guys are going to be burned up, but not Nebuchadnezzar. You see, the greatest thing that can happen to your enemies is that they get saved. Not that they get burned. (laughs) So stop praying that way right now. Well, Lord, just get them. Well, you can, hold, you can ask that God hold them back. You can ask God to bring about the consequences of their decisions. You can ask God, you go, Ed, but Ed, it says to do good to them. Okay, then, then ask God to bring them to the end of themselves. Ask God to allow the truth of Galatians that if they sow to the flesh, that they're going to reap corruption, that, that it's going to pain them, that, that Nebuchadnezzar suffered personal pain as he lost these mighty men of valor. These were his right-hand guys. These were the people that were closest, some people that he trusted. He lost them. But Nebuchadnezzar, well, we know if you read ahead, they don't know it yet, but we know the rest of the text that Nebuchadnezzar gets saved. And that's the greatest thing that can happen to the wicked in your life right now. But as I said before, nobody at any time is ever going to get away with anything. And that you just deposit that in your heart and go back to following the Lord. Get your eyes off your enemy. Get your eyes back on the Lord. Get your eyes off the people picking on you. Get your eyes back on the Lord. Get, the, get your eyes off the people talking about you, posting about you, doing about you, about you, about you, about you. It's not about you. Get your eyes on the Lord. And he'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. He can see your back. You can't even see your back. You don't even know what's coming behind you. You don't have no idea what's sneaking up on you. God knows. 
Keep your eyes firmly fixed on him. And so this steadfast confidence. By the way, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 19. Do not fret because of evildoers. And don't envy the wicked, the Bible says. Don't fret. Don't worry about it. Take it easy when it comes to the wicked. Relax. Verse 24. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up? Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, verse 25, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god, little g. Or in the Aramaic, it was, it's, there's a side note that says, the son of a god. Wow, isn't this great? The king is astonished at the judgment that he thinks he's bringing because God supersedes it. Didn't we throw three men? Yes, we threw three men, but I see four. Now, I think there's a supernatural thing going on here. How can you see in the fiery furnace that has been lit up seven times more that your men can't even get close to without dying? How is it possible that Nebuchadnezzar has any frame of reference of what's going down in the pit except that God revealed it to him and showed him something special? God wanted him to see, not those three guys. God wanted him to see this pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. God wanted that to be deposited in his life. Because haven't you found it to be true that in the fires of life, the Lord shows up in a powerful way, like no other way before? Not only that, but they're still alive. They're still alive in the fire. They're not trying to climb the walls to get out. They're not screaming in anguish. They're not upset. They're not pointing a finger at their mighty God. They're, they're right there talking to a fourth person. There's something special about the fourth one, and the Bible wants us to understand this. The Bible wants us to understand the supernatural around what Nebuchadnezzar thinks is the final word. You see, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get the final word. God always gets the final word. He always gets the final word. And Nebuchadnezzar's pagan background called him, you know, caused him, he only, his only frame of reference is that he's one of the son of God. You know, he looks like a son of God. He, that's his frame of reference. And might I just say, be patient with people you're sharing the gospel with that doesn't know, they don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about church. And they're just using the language they know. You know, you don't have to correct them and give them a theological study on everything they don't know. Just meet them where they're at and explain to them what they don't know. You know, give them the answer. Oh, you know, that, I, you, you might be there with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you're there, and you're, oh, that's like the Son of God. No, 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 don't say that. Capital G, Nebuchadnezzar, capital G. That's the Son of God. You know, you know, just meet them where he's at, because God has a plan for Nebuchadnezzar, and God has a plan for your coworker and your mom, but it doesn't include you being hypercritical and judgmental of them all the time, that they don't have the right language, that they don't know the right words, they don't have the Christianese. They don't need the Christianese. God's going to meet them right where they're at and use where they came from. That's why... One of the beautiful things about sharing the gospel is to get to know the other person. Get to know where they came from. That way you could take the word and just deliver it right to where they're at. Meet them where they're at. I've often used that illustration of building a bridge. You know, you're building a bridge from one place over the chasm of distance between you and that other person. Or, you know, you get the picture of a large body of water and a bridge goes over it to bridge the, the different banks on either side. And as you're building a bridge, the idea of building a bridge is to meet someone where they are and gently take them back with you. It's not to argue with them, not to somehow try to convince them with your great arguments. And it's to express love to them so that through the channel of love, 
truth can be delivered. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's just sharing with his, his frame of reference. But it's obviously supernatural. And this is a pre-incarnate appearance, I believe, of Jesus Christ. An appearance of the eternal Son of God before he took a permanent residence. One and only time did he take a personal per- residence in a human body in the womb of Jesus. But he appeared in Genesis 18 to Abraham. He appeared to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5. He appeared to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And here he is in the fiery furnace, which is very special to those of us that have gone through or even live in a fiery furnace. Imagine that. God has asked you to build a house in the fiery furnace, to live there for a while. You're not trying to climb out. You're already done trying to climb out, and you're just like, this is my life. This is where God has me right now. And even though the flames are around me, and even though it's difficult, the Bible says, don't think it's strange. It's not a strange thing what you're going through. It only becomes strange when you begin to think that God owes you more than he's given to you in Jesus Christ. It only becomes strange when you compare yourself with someone else. Well, you know, they've got that, and I don't have that. Well, that's God's will for your life. We're drawing helpful life lessons for those times when fiery trials are heated up today on Abounding Grace. It's part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in Daniel. Now, remember, you can access the audio files online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the Calvary Aurora mobile app. Well, Pastor Ed, I can't help but think someone listening right now has been in a fiery trial recently. Maybe hope has grown dim for them. Their confidence in God is wavering, and they don't know how they'll make it another day. Would you leave them with a word of encouragement? You know, if you're listening right now and appreciate the relationship that God has given to us together where we get to meet through technology over the Word of God. And I'm very sorry that it's been a hard season for you right now. Um, Some of you are in uh, seasons that are extremely challenging, extremely difficult, and and I'm sorry. Um, It is challenging. It is hard. Uh, It is amazingly difficult, but the Lord is so good and so faithful. I was reminded of this scripture, uh, this uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since then we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, 
while we don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I just want to encourage you with that. It's hard and it's difficult. We're at the edge and then the Lord delivers. And we're at the edge and the Lord delivers. And we're at the edge and the Lord delivers. And He is faithful. And our light affliction is just but for a moment. And the Lord is faithful. Thank you for those wonderful words of encouragement. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that's inspirational, to put it mildly. It's Standing in the Fire by Tom Doyle. There is no doubt we live in a dangerous world with a virus that's hard to contain, civil unrest, and people doing harm to others. It would be easy for us to be paralyzed by fear, but there's another way to go, and that is to stand courageously. This book will encourage you to be courageous and realize you're a victor in Christ. Request a copy of Standing in the Fire when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll return to Daniel chapter 3 and the fiery furnace. You'll see what we can learn from it to apply to our own fiery trials. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.